It's the Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the Week 9 edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Pfeiffer here with Rob Antonell, as always. Just want to start right off top with a little apology to our sponsor, Ground Zero MMA. Forgot to get the read-in last week, so this week they are getting presenting sponsor treatment. So this is Black Swarm Podcast episode 68.5, sponsored by Ground Zero MMA. If you're looking for a fighting gym or just want to change up your workout a little bit, interested in MMA, boxing, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, yoga, one-on-one private lessons, or um, lessons for your kids, you can go check them out at 133 First Street Northeast, Maslin, 44646, right across the street from Maslin Transmission and Chloe's Diner. If you don't want to go down there in person, you can check them out online at GroundZeroMMA.com, Ground Zero Maslin Martial Arts on Facebook, or GZ underscore MMA on Instagram. So, without further ado, big win over Canisius, and I mean big on the scoreboard because otherwise it was kind of the game we expected it to be. Uh, Rob, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so I mean, in general, I was slightly disappointed with the performance. Uh, you know, we talked about it last week, and I was hoping we could go out there and put together a dominant performance, come out, uh, get the starters out of the game. You know, it's like you did your job, you got your work done for the week. You know, let's, let's keep it moving. And uh, that's just that's not really the feeling I got from the game. You know, we we ended up putting up points. Um, you know, there there was a spread, a comfortable win, but. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to see a cleaner performance, uh, a little bit more dominant. And, uh, and I think there are aspects of the game that I think we wish would have went cleaner. Yeah, um, there were a couple parts, especially in that. I mean, overall, I think the first half we really came out a lot better than I thought we did against Delaware. Um, it looked like they wanted to come out with a purpose. You know, they kids had a little bit of pep in their step. A couple hiccups, like you said. First play, take a sack. Second drive, we had a misfire and a tag screen that really put us behind the chains. And then the uh, two-minute drill where we couldn't really get anything going right before halftime. But other than that, in the first half, I think they came out pretty good. Overall, I'd give that a solid B-plus performance. Second half, I think that everybody kind of realized what it was. It seemed like, like we talked about last week, you know, you get your foot on the other team's throat, you don't want to let up. And I think they let up. So, not like you said, not necessarily the performance we wanted to see, but still overall pretty solid. Um, just a couple notes from the game. You know, we come out and first play, going for smash Z post, end up taking the sack. Then third and 13, go right back to it. It was open the first time. Why not go for it again? Yeah. Hits him right over the middle for a tutty. Like I said, uh, second drive, we just had a misfire on the tag screen, and that was that. Um, overall, we pretty much shut their offense down. It was interesting to see. It seemed like they kind of wanted to stay in a little bit heavier personnel than at least what we've seen on film and what they like to stay in. That's been a bit of a running theme from, I would say, 
lesser competition that we've played. It seems like they want to get into you know heavier personnel, run the ball more, eat up some clock, don't give us as many chances, and really just keep the score as low as possible. They couldn't really do that, couldn't get much going. They had a couple nice plays here and there, but overall, you know, Black Swarm shut them down. Um, let me see. Just saw a couple things in there. I think one thing that really stood out to me was how much we were playing bags in the slot. You know, normally when we go like our two-by-two two formations, he's split out as a number one to one side or the other. And over the last few years, when we've had like our number one guy like Banks is, think of uh, Jaden Ballard, Trey Morgan, or Wilson Lamp, that when you put him in the slot – you know, that's kind of an alert for the defense. We're usually going for, say, four verts against a cover three look or some kind of other shot play. But we played him a lot in the slot this game and still ran a lot of our base stuff out of it. And what that does is the defense can no longer say, like, hey, this guy's not playing in his normal spot. Like, alert, alert for, you know, big play that they're looking for. It's they st- They still have to defend everything. So that's something I like to see. A couple other little tweaks in our offense that um, – that I also enjoyed seeing. It's good. They're building on stuff as the weeks go on, not staying stagnant, making adjustments, and you know maybe just putting stuff on film that future teams are going to have to prepare for. That's not necessarily what we're going to run our offense entirely through. So overall, I liked it. Um, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, for touching on two points you just mentioned, um, <clears throat> I think uh, when it came to the the two-minute drill, right? Watching it live, it was a situation where, you know, we didn't need to get the ball back and score. Um, we called a timeout after pinning, or, you know, we stopped them deep in their own area, their own side of the field, called a timeout to maximize how much time we'd have for the punt. And at that point, I'm thinking, you know, that good, uh, we're going to be, we're trying to score, Right. And it's not because we need the points to win, but we're trying to work something here. The mentality that we had going into the game, the mentality we had in the game is, you know, we're going to work on stuff. We're, we're trying to get better. We're going to practice this two-minute drill, right? We're going to go down and score. And I really liked that aspect of it. And it we just kind of fell on our face. We, we got the ball back around midfield, like just over two minutes or something like that. And... Uh, <coughs> We do absolutely nothing. A three and out and then a five-yard punt, which is obviously not what we were looking for, right? But that's one of those situations, right? We knew we were going to win the game. We want to go out there and we, win it. we want to win scenarios. We want to get better for the rest of the year. And I wanted to see us go out there and execute a good two-minute drill, and it was probably the worst possible two-minute drill, whereas now you're giving them the ball back. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, they essentially flipped the field on us yeah. by kicking to us. Just right? like they drew it up. Yeah, you know, well, we're just going to get stopped here, kick it to them, and then get the ball 30 yards further forward than we were. Yeah. Uh, so those are the kind of scenarios that I, I just wanted to see us capitalize on, mm-hmm. that one specifically. But outside of, I, in general, I wanted a more dominant performance. I wanted that two-minute draw. But learning lesson going forward. You know, we wanted to practice it. It failed, but... We're going to keep it moving, and uh, that might be a talking point for them in practice and in different scenarios against other teams in the future. Uh, with Banks playing in the slot, uh, I'd like to see that as well. And, 
yeah, like you said, it, it might take away some alerts, some indicators for the defense of you know predicting plays or um, even if they don't know the play, they might think it's a shot play and be a little bit more cautious or something like that. Uh, but what else it does from my perspective is giving him experience in different positions, right? So now, whereas he's usually lined up on the outside and he's facing a lot of corners, now when you put him on the inside, you might get him against some safety, some linebackers. Uh, there might be a matchup in there that you like. So the more you can move a guy around at different positions or different formations, the better chance you have of finding matchups that you might like. So it doesn't have to be even Banks. It could be anybody. It could be your third or your fourth receiver. There might be some specific matchup you really like, but that kid hasn't played there very often all year. You might not be comfortable playing out of the slot. So getting them that extra experience, it makes the defense a little bit more lax, but also allows you to get experience where it could be very beneficial in the future. So I love to see it, and that's a great time to do it. So what is the difference um, from your perspective as a former mm-hmm. wide receiver, playing split out as the number one versus as the number two in the slot? So I think it's safe to say nowadays, or at least with talking in regards to Maslin, it's probably less different than it was when we played. Just mm-hmm. because we didn't learn concepts we learned plays. What do you mean by that? To elaborate, you can teach route concepts, okay? And every team does them. It's just how do you teach them? How are you educating the kids? So um, there are different concepts that work with each other. That's the whole point of your routes. You're not having four people just go out there and run whatever they think is going to work best. They have to work complementary to each other. Mm-hmm. So when you're teaching a concept, like a smash concept, I mean, that's probably a bad example because that one's so common, like even back in our day, like we, yeah. c- we could have done that one. But in general, like a smash concept usually is like a hitch on the outside and a flag corner out from the inside receiver, right? You're high-lowing the corner in most cases. Um, that's a concept. Mm-hmm. That's an easy one, like I said, but that is a concept. We would have learned that on, you know, Rip 98 Smash, the X is running a hitch. I might not necessarily know what the Y is running. Once again, Smash is a horrible example because we called it Smash and everybody knew what Smash was, right? You Mm -hmm. could insert anybody on the field and they could run Smash. Bad example, but... But for the sake of the example. For the sake of, sake of it, yes. Yeah. There are times where you memorize your plays, but you might not know, you won't know what the other players are doing. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the receiver right next to you is doing on a play. So that hurts because of spacing sometimes, right? You're just running your route and you don't really know am I trying to open space for them? Or are they trying to open space for me? Are we both trying? If you don't, if you don't know the concept, you're just running a, you just draw it on the board and have a kid run it. Yeah, that's basically what we were doing. We we're memorizing how to, what to run. I mean, my sophomore year, we wore wristbands that didn't even tell us what play we were running. It only told us what route to run. So they would sign in from the sideline. You know, we it would be like 75, and we'd open up our wristband. We look at number 75. And it would say hitch. 
That's it. So you don't know if it's all hitches. I don't know if we're running. I don't know if we're running. Yeah, I don't know what the play is at all. Yeah. All I know is I'm supposed to run a hitch. And whereas that makes it easy for the kid to run the right play, right? You don't have to memorize anything now. Mm -hmm. It hurts because defenses don't always line up the same way. You know, how I want to run a hitch against, you know, am I running a hitch because there's a corner going over, a flag going over top of it? Mm -hmm. Or am I running a hitch because we're all running hitches, right? It's different. Because depending on how the corner plays it, I might run my route a little bit different, or I might try to manipulate the corner a little bit. At the same time, if I'm the f- flag route and I know we're running smash, I you know you're just looking for different things. Yeah. So, well, with the corner route from the number two, I mean, you could have a hitch from the number one, a go, mm-hmm. a post, just yeah. If you're, I mean, if you're the number two and you just see flag, yeah. It's completely different if you're running flag for smash or if you're running flag for flood. Mm-hmm. So it makes a difference for the kids to know why, like what play it is, what concept we're running, why we're running it, why does it work. So now the kids are taught concepts. So it should be easier for them to go out there and switch positions. Because if you understand what the concept is, you should know what complements what you're used to running. If you're always the outside receiver on Smash, like you know the inside receiver is running a flag, yeah. right? Um, so the, when you understand the concepts, you should be able to interchange a little bit better. Mm-hmm. When it actually comes down to it, there there are things that are different for sure when you're playing on the inside compared to the outside. Um, your alignment, the spacing, the technique of the defender going against you, um, not just how they're lined up, but how they are prone to playing things corners aren't going to defend you the same way a safety does Mm -hmm. it's not in their nature right in general usually corners a little bit softer um and they'll play off a little bit more they put a little bit more conservative a little bit more hesitant uh they're not really responsible for the run game so they like to kind of sit back and have everything in front of them they can just read it and react nothing gets by me right that's kind of like a general philosophy that's just beaten into corners especially like the kids growing up in middle school and freshman teams that just do cover three all game long it's like all right listen here kid nothing gets behind you that's it that's your whole job that's all you have to do i can do that coach so in general they're kind of raised to sit back and let everything unfold in front of them Mm -hmm. don't get beat deep whereas safeties you have run fits you got to pay attention to you got to come up you know so you got to come up for the run you have to play a little bit more side to side corners are really vertical um they love using the sideline to their advantage and it's very you know towards the line of scrimmage towards the end zone and then that's why when you know they'll get a post they have to cover they'll get a dig they have to cover and they hate them corners don't like doing that right um if you have one-on-one against a corner that's not like pressed Mm -hmm. you're almost always better running an in-breaking route i mean unless you're just an absolute dude that can run right past him yeah with press it's a little bit different because you can get different releases and get advantages that way but against an off corner the last thing he wants to do is go across the middle of the field so the way he's going to play it compared to how a safety plays it's different so just kind of seeing that aspect of it um having if you're in the slot you could have a linebacker that's over top of you close to you um rolling into your area more so 
just the way that it's played is it's going to be different for sure um your spacing a lot of a lot of players get used to landmarks mm. so if you're on the inside your landmarks are going to be a little bit different the angles you know how i run a post out of the slot is going to be different than how i do from the outside uh it, it's not that anything's terribly different but it's just little things like how do safeties react to this route compared to how does a corner so it's, it's just the little things you get a little bit of experience on i mean the biggest thing in my day would be learning the plays Mm-hmm. Now I think that they know the concepts. It's just gonna be slight, slight tendencies of all right. I can do it from here. Here's my markers. Like you, you just don't want to throw somebody out there for the very first time and like have him just <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. You know, oh, well, I'm used to. Yeah. So it shouldn't be a huge difference, but it's like an exposure thing. Just mm-hmm. seeing things from a different angle a little bit. So that's all. Um, it, it's a it's a good thing and when you can do it i think you should be doing it moving players around uh you know you never know when an injury is going to happen or a matchup's going to appear that you really love or you need and uh that's one of the times where you can move players around so uh that's a longer explanation than i wanted to go into but it it's a good thing the more you can move your players around in general i think yeah no i thought that was um I thought that was a pretty good in-depth explanation there. Pretty easy to follow for a you know guy who spent his career with his hand in the dirt. So, um, other than that, really, I mean, I don't have much else to talk about in the game. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Um, do you have somebody for our your little segment, advantaged player of the game, or you want to explain it to people while I come up with one? I mean, if you want to come up with one. I think, uh, I, think I got one. Okay. I, I think we had like kind of different takeaways from the game. We're, we're all moving past it at this point. But mm-hmm. I, I wasn't real happy with the game last week. So I didn't put a whole lot of extra effort into trying to find advantage players. Yeah. Uh, advantage player of the week. Advantage, that's what we're calling it. Uh, the concept comes from uh, gambling, a casino, uh, players that count cards in blackjack, are able to flip the advantage from the house always winning to the player winning, theoretically. The odds are now... It's the slightest difference mm-hmm. um, in blackjack. But if you can count cards and play perfect blackjack, you end up having like a 51% chance of winning. So theoretically, the longer you play, the more you'll win. When that happens, the casinos like to kick you out or tell you you can't play blackjack anymore. Um, I mean, fun fact, it's not illegal. You're, you are, it's not against the law to count cards, but yeah. the casino has the right to not serve you business. So, um, the idea is you're becoming an advantage player in a situation that is 50-50, or I guess in blackjack it's slightly less. But mm-hmm. when you line up in football, everything's 50-50. It's your job to create an advantageous environment for yourself a teammate um your side of the ball whatever it is so what did you do to create an advantage on this play or this concept throughout a game so this one i think i'm going to give it to our offensive coordinator coach troxler we called smash z post four or five times Mm -hmm. first one ended in the sack yeah. I think the other three might have been touchdowns. 
when an offensive coordinator, when a play caller in general, both either side of the ball, they have you know a small menu of plays that's like, okay, well, this is our one-off. We'll call it. It's going to hit big, and then we're going to keep moving. A lot of coordinators are afraid to go back to something that worked. You know, they're mm-hmm. you. You see it like in the run game. You bust a run for a big, like you know, fifty-yard gain. Call it again. You get a pass play that's not necessarily just counting on a team breaking coverage, overplaying something. You know, it's not like the fake tag screen or a hitch and go where you're counting on a defender to make a mistake. It's we talked about it last week. Smash the post. It's a solid. Uh, concept a cover four beater and when a team doesn't want to cover it it's like the it's like an easy button yeah and just keep hitting that easy button man for whatever reason a lot of coaches like to outsmart themselves and on friday night tracks was like hey it's there i'm gonna keep calling it and team executed for the most part and you saw the results so advantage player of the week is to our play caller coach tracks that works. All right. So uh, I guess with that, we'll get into a little film room action and keep her moving, huh? Works for me. Yes, sir. All right. So first play in film room here. Um, we're marching the ball down the field, get inside the low red zone. And usually our MO, when we get down close to the end zone, send in the heavy personnel, run the ball right down the throat. This one, however, I think we were marching down in our with a tight end in the game and three receivers. We get down to about the 14-yard yeah, line, go to sub, and then out trots four wide. Right? That's not something we have really ever done before. Let's see what we're going to dial up. And we talked about, or I talked about the offense making a little tweaks here and there. On this one in particular, we call our drive concept that we've been running a lot this year. Love to see it. It's a pretty solid concept overall. And normally when you run it, you have the tailback just run a swing route to pull coverage. Well, on this one, unfortunately the clip doesn't start before the ball snap, but it is what it is. On this one, Trell goes out like he's running just the swing and then wheels up, goes right down the seam, catches the linebacker trying to overplay it, and walks in for an easy six. Just watch that one one more time. You can see the drag coming, the the dig from the backside. Post takes away, really the drag takes away the over-the-top safety, which is interesting, but hey, great little compliment. Something else teams have to prepare for. Job by Trail, just making a man miss in the hole. Got his 100 yards for the game on only eight carries. Called it a night. Hasn't had less than a 100-yard game at all this season. A little GT counter action. Uh, play I don't think we've busted out since Glen Oak, but love to see it still in the playbook. All right. Next up, we got Wiggins. A little smash Z post, third play of the game. You can see the safety over the number two. Just take that. Completely ignore the flag route. I think even the linebacker was trying to call it out. Six points. Good guys. 
little bubble RPO to the play side of some mid-zone action. Really get that good horizontal stretch on the defense. Tough to defend. Yeah, you can see the corner calling that out and just, sorry, kids. Yeah. I mean, if you roll that one back, <clears throat> um, something that we talked about last week when we were talking about this play, mm-hmm. and I think it's a pretty good example of it right here, is that as the outside receiver starts going inside, the corner bails on him right away, right? And we talked about it because you can't get sucked in. Yeah. You don't want the corner to get sucked in. So he naturally is going to sit out on that play. And the safety is reading number two going vertical. So that's really all he sees. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're able to run this. Um, the safety doesn't see it coming. The corner's not going to follow it initially because it goes inside. So it makes it really tough if you're going to stay on him. You're playing from really far back. Um, so you, you almost have to switch it. But then, you know, if that safety's reading number two like that, how is he supposed to see the outside receiver coming? Yeah. So that's what makes the play really tough. Because the corner, the safety's doing his job the way he's taught to do it. To start, you know, like number two goes vertical that long. Like, hey, I'm sucked on it. I'm right on it. I'm right on it. Oh, damn. Yep. So that's what makes it a hell of a play right there. I mean, I've always never played safety a lick in my life, but I've always been of the, you know, thought that at least the corner, or at least the outside receiver flashing in the corner's vision underneath the number two like that, especially when that's the only real route concept we run where that happens. Yeah, I mean, you'll see the good teams that are coached up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something that you have to kind of teach him or you have to see on film a little bit, you know, cause the amount of times that this safety is reading number two vertical, he gets 10 yards deep. I'm locked on. Well, coach, you said after 10 yards, I'm locked on. It's like, well, shit, I did say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. corner, what are you doing? He went inside. That's not my guy. Well, shit. shit. I said that too. Ah, that's what I taught you to do too. I mean, it's just like, this is like fundamental coverage right here like you're locked on after that far it's an adjustment going against us i think or going against this play of all right we might have to play this a little bit different we might have to sit off of that flag more um but i'm saying when you just take a team fresh off the streets or a lesser opponent this is what you see and that's why you see it it's because that safety's reading two all the way Mm -hmm. that's your threat that's your biggest threat i'm walking right on him and if you have a huge cushion, if you're playing really far off, you might be able to see all the action in front of you. But from this perspective, he's just locked on, locked on. I mean, I guarantee that's what he's thinking, at least. Yeah. You know? So. And I can tell you just by this alignment, this formation, it's hard to read the numbers, but <coughs> one of the number twos is Banks. I don't know if he's the one down here to the boundary or the one up top of the field, but. <coughs> one of them is our best receiver so if the guy down here to the bottom is banks then i really i guess i can't blame the safety for locking on to the number two like that but then again you remember we also just ran this exact same play two plays beforehand too yeah so kind of kind of a wash there but hey i mean how often do you see the one play you know called like that bang bang so yeah 
It'll smash the post. And then I like this play just because, you know, if they're, they're giving it to you, take it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you shouldn't do that every single time when the defense is lined up like that. So, I mean, I mean, take take your yards. Yeah. Every they time. Got the inside linebackers tucked in. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys in the box against when you got six blockers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throw the bubble. This is why you run the RPOs because teams are going to, when they know they're outmatched like that, you got to decide what you're not going to let kill you. And they decided, hey, we're not going to give up the run. Yeah. So they give up the extended handoff instead. I think, uh, you know, at the end of the game, the first thing you need to look at are, you know, the big plays. Mm-hmm. You know, which team had more, you know, 40-yard, 50-yard plays, right? Yeah. Because that, that's a eraser altogether, right? You know, throw all of the stats out for the game if one team had six long touchdowns, right? After that, I think it's the team that takes the free five yards, the team that's willing to take a free five yards. Can't go broke. Six yards. Profit. Seven yards. I mean, what does this end up going for? Like 10? Uh, uh, 15? Yeah, 15 yards. So, I mean, but it doesn't have to be 15. Obviously, if you're like, hey, this play's going to go for 15 yards, yeah, you run it. But I'm saying if this play goes for five, it's a good play. Yeah. Take, a f- take the free five yards every single time. And that's what's going to sustain drives. You're going to stay ahead of the sticks. So when you have numbers like that, you know, hit it every time. Not saying that we don't, but you know how many teams are out there that refuse to throw? Uh, we don't throw five-yard hitch. You know, how many defenses leave the hitch open because teams don't throw it? Mm-hmm. Take the five yards. Take the five yards. Take the Second and five is way better than second and nine because yep. then you end up in third and eight. And you know what happens in third and eight? You're calling for your punt team to get ready. So take the five yards, take the six yards, let one of them break. Because anytime you have a player in space, you know you're gonna you're gonna break one. But yeah, take the yards when they're there. Team's gonna play this far off of you every single time. Do it. Like you said, can't go broke taking a profit. That's about all we got for the offensive highlights, which. I mean, considering the points we put up, I think really speaks a lot, and especially to what you were talking about earlier. So moving right along, going to go work pretty much inside out for our defense. First up, Big Mike, last week's advantage player of the game. Yeah, I like that they had him bumped out on that play also. Just another one of those things, you know, moving people yeah. around, getting matchups. <coughs> lined up uh, head up over the right tackle I think right yeah it might be just yeah. shaded inside but yeah just beats him inside something you especially don't really expect as a tackle I mean just quick as hell get off high motor player Holds a point of attack. Yeah. Can't ask much more from your, from your nose guard than that. Moving along, we got some Pringle highlights. Little uh, <coughs> cover three buzz action here. <coughs> Sorry. Man, folks, still are you going to get healthy yet or what? Uh, believe it or not, like much better than I was this time last week. <sighs> Oh, this time last week. Yeah. <laughs> Good golly. Yeah, not great. 
So you need to take your immune system down to ground zero MMA, oh, strengthen it up a little bit. God, I think it's. I think whatever bug I got I already took it down there and just punched it in the face repeatedly. Yeah. It's no bueno. This guy. So here's an interesting little play from our defense, a little cover three buzz blitz. Um, what we're doing is rotating one of the safeties down into the box. Usually when we rotate our safeties, they're coming down like over top of number two yeah. on either side, just a basic cover three rotation. This time we're rolling him down into a linebacker spot and replacing him on a blitz. I think this is like a cover three hot. We might be playing. Let's see. Roll the tape here. So end up with, what do you got? One, two, three, four, eight. Yeah, five guys in coverage. So a little cover three hot action. Just a different way to send six guys on a blitz. Not necessarily don't have to play cover zero, man. Just something new every week from the defense, man. Fun to watch. Yeah, worst punt attempt ever recorded on film. I, yeah. I'm hard-pressed to say ever, but nothing is coming to mind right now. (laughs) Good job by our interior, just really stretching out that run, make the running back bounce. God, just like a shot out of a cannon, man. Mm -hmm. I think you said it before, but he's actually a phenomenal blitzer. He's really good at blitzing, yeah. I said that last night on the recording that no one's ever going to hear. Mostly because you can't hear it because all the audio went to shit. Yeah. Uh, no, he's he's really good at blitzing. I mean, it's noticeable that he's a good blitzer. <laughs> he's able to get off of blocks really well when he's blitzing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just... It, I mean, it's a natural thing, right? You know, it's not like you're a defensive lineman that's working on that every single day, yeah. how to get off of an offensive lineman. But uh, he's really good at it. He's downhill. He's really fast. Attacks the ball. Um, he's also really good at holding his water, too. You know, yeah. He doesn't show it until the snap. Yeah, the, even the few times that he is kind of like sitting back a little bit, letting it everything develop in front of him, he doesn't get pushed back. And he's able to get off the block when he needs to. So mm-hmm. I think that's pretty impressive. Because you, you see him downhill right away sometimes. And then sometimes you see him, I don't want to say slow play it, but you know maybe it's not going where it's supposed to. And he's like, you know, just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Yeah. And like this one, he, <coughs> he's feeling it out, feeling it out. Ball doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. ball run, the runner never gets out to where the play was designed to go. So cuts back inside so this it's a one, great I mix just, he just bodies that kid i mean yeah. that is just straight out of the wwe yeah. i, I want to appreciate that one again i mean that one the first play on his highlight is great comes in untouched from the opposite side crosses yep. bam little cross dog action Stick. just i mean that kid is definitely hurting in the morning bam yeah but this one this is like wwe worthy Stay square. Get gets his hips under him. Yeah, makes a tackle. Clean wrap up. Also, really kind of underrated thing on punt blocks, I think, is especially with like how close you are right there, relative to a normal punter. You come flying off the edge unblocked. I mean, 
I think it takes a lot of athleticism to be able to pull up and not get a roughing the kicker penalty like that, especially when you come free. I like the concept of what you're saying, but if you watch it, <laughs> yeah, I don't even think he was going for a punt block. He was just like, oh, I'll set the edge. Wait a second. Why is this kid punting the ball right in front of me? Oh, okay. Whap. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it's the worst punt. I, you have I, a guy I, lined up on the edge. Your punter's six yards deep. And they're like, yeah, we don't need to block him. Obviously, they knew they were punting. You see the safety just sprinting back off screen to get ready to field the punt. Yeah, but it looks so ugly that Pringle isn't, like, rushing in to try to block it. Watch. He doesn't, like, he takes one step upfield. I go, oh, okay. It's like the kicker walked into him. Probably expecting to get blocked by somebody, and then it's... it's yeah. It's like what I'm his, saying. It wasn't he wasn't head on fire running in for the punter. No, I mean yeah, good job of successfully blocking the kick because you think that'd be a real easy thing to do, but like yeah, if you have to use your arms, you got to put them in the right spot. And I mean, really, all you're doing is diving in front of a dude punting a ball. You don't necessarily know where the ball is going to go. Yeah, you, know, you can. I I think it's tougher from this perspective even because he's not just laying out yeah horizontally in front of a punter. I mean, there's distance between them. And, Nonetheless, I think it's a bad punt attempt, but good job of successfully blocking it. Yeah, especially overall, because like when you come unblocked off the edge like that, or just personal experiences, defensive lineman when you go unblocked, rabbit ears go up because you're looking for somebody like not in your immediate field of vision to come just shwack you. Yeah. So I think that's what the hesitation was there. Like, huh? Okay. Yeah. So, moving right along, we got some uh, outside linebacker highlights. Carmen? Cameron? <laughs> White boy that doesn't wear anything on his arms. Number 12. He had 24 hours to figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I kind of like the bit. I'm just going <laughs> to use it again. Just sticking to the bit, man. Yeah. Good job covering the out route. He's Top got, of the ball, but... He's got a sleeve on, or... No, that... <laughs> Is that elbow tape all the way down his arm? Might be elbow tape. Yeah. There's something. He's like, this is just for you, Hank. I'm still not going to wear sleeves or gloves, but I'll put some tape on. A little turf tape. You're my boy, Carmen. I think highlights show, you know, a good mix of him playing out in space and down on the line. Pretty much exactly what we need from our OB, our Jack Packer. Just good chase down on that one. Is that? I can't tell if this is a rollout protection or if he just, like, the tackle doesn't see him since he, yep. Tackle's late. Tackle didn't see him since he yeah. crept up late after the uh, motion by the, yeah. Yeah, just creeps up late, coming in hot. Advantage to our kid. Good job, Cameron. Here, down playing on the line. Holds a point of attack, sheds the block, and just push and pull. That's Get teach tape right there, baby. I don't know what that was supposed to be with the down block, just putting him right into the run play. Yeah. That was just. I'm going to say he squeezed the line so well that that blocker had no choice but to keep pushing just him down hands on yeah yeah we're gonna we're just gonna squeeze him in even more yeah yeah we're gonna put him even farther into it's the really hole. just a yeah horrible design on their part but little cut block by that right tackle there 
What? No one does that to us. Look at that. That's Ball's barely snapped. He's already on the ground. What's wrong with that? Nothing no. if you don't you know, care about the kid's knees. Yeah, but you can do that, right? No. Why not? Knee injuries. <laughs> it's against the rules, I think. No, it's not. Like, is uh, it? No, high, low, and I think there's... Is if you are one on one, you can do it. You yes. can't do it to anybody else engaged with another blocker. Correct. You can't high low guys. You can't do it outside the tackle box. I so, think there's some kind of weird rules about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't see receivers doing it. No. But yeah, linemen can do that, right? I think defensive so. linemen aren't allowed to. Yes, that's it. Defensive D- linemen can't. Defensive linemen can't, but they do. Yeah. But all the time, constantly. Yeah. I mean, Fitch did it. <laughs> every single play of the fourth quarter yep all four linemen were doing it but uh yeah I mean, you can cut block one-on-one yeah it sucks knee injuries and stuff but yeah. you know that's why you sprawl it and keep moving yeah that's why you uh i mean you are taught how to defend it as a defensive lineman yeah it's actually a fun fact like when getting the higher levels like nfl when you got some quick game stuff when you're more worried about the defensive linemen throwing their hands up and batting the ball down rather than the rush getting there. You cut block or chop block because defensive linemen, you're, you're taught to, like, jump back, push them into the dirt. Yeah, so that gets the defensive uh, linemen's hands down and like, out of throwing lanes. It's a wrestling thing, yeah. Yeah. But, all right, moving right along. If you go down to Ground Zero MMA, I'm sure they can teach you how to avoid a – Single leg takedown. Yeah. Well, and it would be a little bit similar concept to start with of how to avoid a cut block. A little wrestling jujitsu action there. Also a great plug. Moving right along. We got some safety action here. Just filling in late. Almost looks like a cut block there. But it's a tackle, so it's not a cut block. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it can still use that term. Yeah. It's just not illegal. Right. It's like illegal block below the waist. They're not saying that blocks below the waist are illegal. They're saying that was an illegal way of doing it. Yes. That was an illegal block below the waist. Good job. And it's not his highlight, but good job by Big Mike on that one. (laughs) Just sending the heat, man. Kind of the nature of the beast with, I got free safety's highlights. Yeah. You know, you either have interceptions, pass breakups, or you have a lot of tackles like seven, eight yards down the field. Yep. (laughs) It's just kind of how it goes. So It is what it is. It's more about being able to tackle in open space and eliminate long runs than it is about having a great play for the team. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, oh, they got 10 yards. That's not good. Y- yeah, but, you know, once you get to that level, like, that's where you, you shut it off there. You mm-hmm. get 10, but you're not getting 15. You're not getting 20. So that's why a lot of these safety highlights. And a lot of these, like, that's the first time they ran outside zone, or jet outside zone. After that first play, I think we kind of shut it down. 
a lot of the stuff. Rollout, I mean, yeah. Receiver just got leverage on the defender. Safety comms cleans it up. That's what they're there for. Just the center skipping the ball. He was doing that a lot, all game. Big Mike? Yep. That's one thing, man. When uh, as a, Anytime I see a center that like it's not a known thing that they have bad snaps, they're getting their ass kicked up front by the nose guard. All game. What they're trying to do is they're trying to just shorten the snap motion, either shooting their hips up too quick or just short-dicking it with their arm. And the ball's either flying over the quarterback's head if the hips shoot up or if short stroke in the arm, ball's just dribbling on the turf like that. Regardless, it tells me a lot about how bad they're getting beat by the defensive line. And I think that's about all we got for some film room action. So with that, we'll uh, we'll just keep removing with the rest of the show, do some spreads, touch on the game, showcase this uh, Friday, answer some fan questions, and get out of here, huh? I think we can uh, start getting into McKinley Week a little bit. All right. The actual week yeah. of McKinley. All the festivities? Yeah. Yes, sir. So, see you all on the other side of the film room. Let's get to it. All right. So, officially, week nine for us is a bye. Bye week. You know, big vacation vibes over here. But we do have a JV showcase. Same time, same place. Paul Brown Tiger Stadium, 7 p.m. kickoff against Canada. Um, specifically the Royal Imperial Collegiate Canada Prep. As far as Man. I can tell, huh? Man. Yeah. That's, uh, you know. That's a foreign mouthful. Yep. Sorry. So, as far as we can tell, lost every game. Um, cl- closest comparison we got is they played LaSalle. Week one, who are currently one and six, and they lost to LaSalle seventy to seven. Hmm. You know, I was I was thinking about this the other day um, when somebody asked us about Coach Moore's record at Maslin, mm-hmm. and for that aspect of it, I didn't care, right? You know, we, we basically lost a game this this year. And, you know, for like somebody's personal record, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm trying to catch up to Valdosta. And what's the Kentucky school? Like Maley or Maine or whatever. I'm trying to get back up there, right? Yeah. This could have been an easy dub, boys. Could have been an easy dub, boys. But... I mean, I don't know the what goes on behind the scenes or how this game came about. You know, we obviously haven't been afraid to schedule Canadian schools before. That's when I got the most playing time my senior year was against a Canadian team. Hell, I was done by halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's like an OSHA, some weird OSHA rule as to what type of school they are that we can't officially play them or if they didn't want it 
on the record. LaSalle played him, you said? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So, I don't know. I don't know what the whole I don't thing need is it to with be, it. I don't need it to be an OHSAA-sanctioned game. I just need it to count towards the National Wins title. Then, hey, let's just put it in the record books. As a, let's just say it was a game. Yeah. I mean, a game is happening. It is Maslin versus Canada Prep. Yeah. It's just our JV team. So, get to see some future, you know, big names that you'll see hopefully here in the next couple years out on the field on Friday nights. This Friday night. Yeah. Um, beyond that, <clears throat> we really don't have any sort of preview. I mean... They got bopped by one and sixteen, seventy to seven. Like, what? What do you want from us, guys? I mean, it's still I mean, it's Lasalle, right? Lasalle's down this year, but it's not like saying they lost to one and six Minerva. <laughs> hey, that's an up year for Minerva. Yeah, that'd be really good for Minerva. Yeah, yeah. maybe they should. <laughs> maybe we should get those two teams in touch with each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, if yeah. you're gonna come down here, you might as well yeah. give Minerva their first win in twenty years. I is it possible for both teams to lose a game? Uh, I think if it's tied 0-0 and ugly, the refs have the rule to say both teams are losers. Yeah. I, I think that's in the OHSA bylaw. I do remember one that of the, bylaw. One actually. of the first ones, actually, mm-hmm. yeah. It's um I think I think it's right after It's like one A Roman numeral I. No, it's not I. I think it's um, IV. So it would be four. Four. So I think it's like right after it's like you're allowed 11 players on one side of the ball. Mm-hmm. If both teams are duty juice, then game's <laughs> over. Both teams walk away with an L. If Minerva uh, yeah. <laughs> ties 0-0 with Canada, that's an L. Got it. Yeah. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, fact check us. It's... You're going to have to read the whole thing, but I, I mm. thought it was at the front. While you're in there, find out about that motion to under center on a punt formation, if you guys could. Yeah. That'd be super. Nobody said anything about that. Nope. So, I guess, I yeah, I have nothing else to talk about with this team. I mean, hey, go out, support the young guys on Friday night. It's As a JV player, it's a cool experience to be able to play mm-hmm. in any capacity on Friday, let alone, you know, going in knowing you're starting, you're going to play the whole game. Yeah. So go out, show them some love. Um, and we only got so much basketball, football, man. Like, soak it in while you can. So with that, I guess we'll keep her moving. Well, let me uh, – Oh, uh, what do you got? I'll just go over there. Want a couple of their key players here real quick. Do they uh, have key players? Uh, yeah, the key players. Uh, left tackle is uh, 1.89 meters <laughs> and uh, 89 kilogram. <laughs> what? How long have you been sitting on that bit? <laughs> uh, about 45 seconds. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. Quarterback's probably slightly smaller than both those numbers. Yeah. I I figured I was in the ballpark of saying what a human could be size-wise on a football mm-hmm. team over there. But Tr- Translate that to something as an American that I can... How many Ariana Grandes is that left tackle? Oh, I, I think the number I just gave out there is probably like one and a half Ariana's. Yeah. So I mean, like, not not good. I mean, she's gotten real skinny lately. Yeah, be, I mean, not good for football. Yeah, might be one and three quarter Ariana. Still not great. You want your left tackle to be a solid like two and a half to three Ariana Grandes. So, 
Yeah, yeah. That, that's probably within the ballpark of what yeah. we're looking for. Yeah. yeah. Any Hoosier. Um, moving right along. Want to get into some spread action? Uh, let's just jump into it. Some local games. Yeah. Because other teams are playing games this week. They are. Uh, count that towards their win totals. Uh, St. Ed at Moeller. Ooh. I believe that's the number one and number two team in the state. Moeller's one. Ed's is top five. Okay. Sounds right. Um, it's at Moeller, mm-hmm. and they're favored by eight. Ed's minus eight? Mm-mm. Oh, Moeller minus eight. Okay. Moeller minus eight. Moeller minus eight. Um... Kind of a toughie. Man. Right? I mean, we saw both of them, but mm-hmm. when we saw them was different. We did see them at two different times in Maslin's in this season's progress. Yeah. Um, you know, besides giving up the big plays, I think we played Moeller pretty tough. But pretty much locked down Ed's once we decided to. Mm-hmm. Besides the last, you know, few minutes of the game where both teams were trying to lose, then we played them, we played them right there. We were at their level. Uh Uh, you know what? Give me Muller to cover. Yeah, that's what I was leaning towards as well. Just because I feel like how well our defense did against them mm-hmm. once we settled in. Um, I mean, trying to go back to the Muller game and it being week one is tough. But, yeah, I, I, I think they might cover. Yeah, I think Ed's is a little overrated. So, uh, Canton South okay. is... Minus 18 and a half at Orville. Two teams I know absolutely nothing about. That's besides, what makes it fun. Yeah. Minus 18 and a half. Um, Orville covers, but I like Canton South straight up. Norwayn. Minus 11 and a half at Dalton. Golly. Uh, Dalton's orange and black. Teams in orange and black play tough. Dalton. Another school that had mass on jerseys, I believe. Yep. Uh, I think I'm going with Norwayne to cover on this one. I think I remember, like, Dalton being horrible underdogs early in the year against somebody. Mm-hmm. And they didn't cover. Oof. Um, so I'm guessing they're pretty down. I, Which, I mean, I know down for them is, like, going through the hallways trying to find kids to play football. Yeah. But I feel like they had some success not too long ago. So, yeah. It's like you talk about, you know, you can't recruit in public schools, but I think those coaches are going at, you know, down their own hallways having to recruit players. Yeah. You're, you can recruit within your own school <laughs> yeah. to play a sport. Yeah. Hey, uh, tuba player, you're tall. You ever, you ever thought about left tackle? We'll let you do the halftime show also. Like, yeah. Not a problem. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Interesting one. Central Catholic is at Jackson. Mm-hmm. Jackson's minus 18 and a half. Wow. Is Central's not that down bad, are they? No, they played Perry tough earlier in the year. Perry pulled away. But... I mean, I know Jackson's, like, better than they've been. Well, they, they beat an injured Perry team in overtime. Uh, lost McKinley. Man, I don't. Uh, I can't see. Uh, 
I can't see that big of a blowout in a conference game. So especially since it's not a conference game. What's uh, uh wait what? I thought oh Central's not in the Fed are they? They're just like around. They're just around. They're too bougie for that. They're they're an honorary Fed team in my book. Um, Stark School, you got it. Yeah. So I I can't like I said I can't see a conference game being that big of a blowout. So I'll take Central to cover. Yeah, I, I'm going that way also. I I don't. I mean, could be wrong. We'll see. I don't know if Jackson can pull away. God, Central's the way not in the Fed. They just feel like a Fed team. I really, as, as in, it's another local school, yeah. Local school, you know, kind of middling. Not, you know, not someone you would want Maslin to fill their schedule with because it's a lower level opponent. Just a well, they're they're a lower division. Yeah, I, obviously, it's a smaller school. You're gonna have a smaller yeah. talent pool. It is what it is. But I don't know. You just like they have fed. They have fed vibes. Hmm. Big fed vibes. I mean, I get it. It's a team you're familiar with that Maslin plays on football. But mm-hmm. um, whereas, like, Maslin doesn't play Tuslaw in really anything that I know of. Or at least we didn't used to. Yeah. You know, we're not playing. But, like, we, we play Central in basketball. We play them in baseball. Probably some other smaller sports I'm not familiar with. But we always played them in those. Diving. I mean, probably, you know, I feel like, I feel like all the schools that have swimming teams, like, face each other, like, yeah. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Invitationals and stuff, they're always going against each other There's, like, somewhere. eight of them in Ohio, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's more than that, <laughs> but. Uh, green is at Hoover. Mm-hmm. Orange and blacks. Hoover is minus 10. Wow. Uh, oh, the downfall of Green, huh? I was going to say, Green was, like, up at the beginning of the year, weren't they? They were up last year. Last year. That's that's <laughs> it. Yeah, they were decent last year. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't half bad last year. Stink this year. Uh, I may have conflated Hoover and Green in my head Should on that give one. us her jerseys back. Yeah. Yeah, no, Hoover was a team that I thought would be decent this year, and then they'd just been getting stomped around. That's it. That's what I was thinking. Um, All these orange and black schools out yeah. here, yeah. Um, like I said, I can't see a team in orange and black not covering, so green. Yeah, I think that works out somehow. Yep. Lake is 14-point favorites at Perry. Wow. Um, Perry's been playing teams tough. Lake was... Number one in our region for a hot second there until they dropped one to McKinley. Yep. They had like three turnovers that game, though. I think that was the big swing. McKinley didn't have any. Lake had three. I like Lake. I like I like Lake also. I think Perry has still has injuries or mm-hmm. like a season-long injury that is big for them. I think Lake is a good school. They lost to McKinley. McKinley's getting hot. Um. But, you know, I, I was told that when Lake's healthy, they can run with Maslin. So, with that... Told by who? With that in mind, I think Lake covers against Perry. Okay. Uh, in local news, McKinley is 20.5 point favorites at Glen Oak. Whew. Um, Obviously, the voice still isn't back yet, but 
It's neither here nor there. Um, this dude just tried to Ric Flair, and it sounded like a woo! 90-year-old woman on a cartoon <laughs> that was coughing. I would have said a grandma riding the teacups at Disneyland. I was like, you try to make a noise. It just didn't come out. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just... <sighs> Um, I already forgot the spread. What, what was the spread? McKinley, again? 20 and a half at Glen Oak. Oh, McKinley covers. Easy. Yeah, McK- I think McKinley's so. on a hot streak. Glen Oak, they are what they are. Yeah, I, I agree. I think McKinley's going to ride that out. Um, Though, if they put up metal detectors and some of those McKinley kids can't get into the game, that would, you know, <laughs> could you imagine missing a few players? <laughs> what an absolute shit show that has to be. I mean, the fact that you have to do that. It's just a rumor, but. Yeah. Oh, that's not like an official thing? I don't know. I thought it was a rumor. But, you know, that has to start from somewhere, so. Yeah. I saw um, something on, okay, this is like even me saying it. I'm talking myself out of it. I saw something on Facebook that they were doing that, so obviously it must be true. So, yeah, I'm back out on that rumor then. Um, I mean, I feel like it has to come from somewhere. You know, I feel like someone at least inquired about it. Yeah. But, yeah, you got to have metal detectors for all those McKinley and Glen Oak fans. Um, yeah, what a mess. Yeah. Regardless, McKinley covers. I think so, also. All right, let's get into some college games. All right. Kent is at Toledo. Mm-hmm. Toledo minus nine. Ooh. So... I was listening to a college football podcast today. Toledo is in a prime spot. They win this game. They are in command of the MAC, and just by nature of the MAC and how just chaotic it is in general, that means they're gonna roll out a stinker, drop this game. Kent wins easy. Yeah, I I feel like the MAC runs through Toledo, but Kent has a surprisingly good offense. They've played uh, a big game well this year, so I, I think Kent covers. Uh, all right, the Eight Mile War. North Carolina is seven point favorites at Duke. Ooh. Um, let's see. Basketball season on Coach K's farewell tour. North Carolina took Coach K's lunch money twice. First time regular season, second time in the Final Four. It knocked him out. So I think that trend continues. North Carolina wins easy. Easy enough to cover minus seven? Easy money. Is that a yes? Yes. God. Try going up to the booth and saying that. Yeah, North Carolina is going to win easy. So are you taking them to cover or not? <laughs> What seven points is a touchdown? Like that's not easy. That's that's a one possession game. Easy's like you can win, win by tw- win by eighteen, twenty one. You can win an easy game by seven. You know, a couple weird backdoor scores at the end of the game. You know, it was still easy. Score yeah. was closer than it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. I'm listen, sorry. I, I clear cut answers here, son. You can say they win easy. Yes, they cover. <laughs> or like, oh, they they're gonna win by twenty. Like I'll, I'll count that. Right. I'm sorry, Mr. Antonelli. Get it right. I think North Carolina covers minus seven. Well, I'm marking all this down. You know, I don't want you to ask for your money back after this is all over. I'm still going to ask for it anyway. <laughs> yeah, we don't put money on the line. Uh, North Carolina State 
is at uh-oh, Syracuse, and Syracuse is three and a half point favorites. Ooh, Cuse is five and zero oh this year, I think. I don't know if they've played anybody, but they're undefeated currently. Um, they're on a heater, and they're going to keep riding it. Give me Cuse. Give me the orange. Uh, NC State. Oklahoma State at TCU. TCU minus four. Oklahoma State, not only have they been sneaky good this year, they've been like a sneaky, consistent team for the last decade. Decade plus. Um, With the likes of Justin Gilbert and company? Yeah. Making their way into the NFL? Mason Rudolph. um, Des Bryant. He dropped it. He did drop it. Um, Give me... OK State to cover. I'm taking TCU at home. USC is traveling to Uda. All right. And Uda is minus three. Uda is minus three. Uda minus three against USC. Wow. Usk. Usk. Usk, Usk versus Uda. Usk at Uda. Usk plus three. Sounds like Uda. every single town in Wisconsin. Yeah. Usk and Uda. <laughs> Might be the hometown where this Canadian team's coming from. Oscanuda, yeah. Oscanuda. Oscanuda, Ontario. Yeah, I. Yes. Oscanuda, Ontario. Yeah. yeah. Believe it or not, that's actually the birthplace of one of the minor characters on Letterkenny. Yeah, I mean, I think New Oscanuda mm. is like in northern Wisconsin. That yeah, that's it. Um, but the original Oscanuda, Ontario, uh, Upper Ontario, maybe. Mm-hmm. It, no, it's Eastern Ontario because that was founded um, when we were still the 13 colonies. And then when we expanded, you know, they had some settlers come down south. They said, you know, American Revolution, we picked the winners. So they, they marched south a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, instead of burning the White House in 1812, they yeah. just picked a plot in Wisconsin, planted their flag, and said, yeah. New Escanuda now. That worked. Uh, when it was founded, was it new? Yeah, it was. So it was Newfoundland? No. Um, Newfoundland was when they found land, and it was new to them. So that was Newfoundland. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Big history, guys. Um, don't know anything about Usk. Yeah, me neither. That should have been, like, a big storyline school this year, and I haven't heard much yeah. about them at all. So you know, joining the imagine it's not. New head coach, hot. Hot name, Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Uh, Transfer quarterback. Yeah. New coach. I'll take... I'll take Usk. I think I'm taking Uda. I think the lack of news around Usk is telling me that they haven't got his recruiting class in yet. I mean, it's his first year. But yeah. I, I think the principle is that like it's not <laughs> where they want it to be yet, obviously. But... I'm going to Uda at home. All right. Uh, Bammers is minus seven and a half at Tennessee. <coughs> mm. Tennessee's not sneaky good this year. They're just good. They are just good, yeah. Uh, Bama almost dropped it to Texas when until Ewers couldn't sling the rock anymore. Well, they almost dropped it even after that, yeah. Yeah, almost dropped it a couple more times. Don't think they covered last week. Either. Quarterback's still out. So I I'm taking the Vols, man. 
I think the Vols win it outright. I'm all I'm going with Tennessee to cover. I, I'll go that far. I'm pretty confident with that. Mm. I don't. We're only talking spreads here, so I'm taking Vols to cover. Good enough. I feel confident with. That. I mean, Tennessee's good. Bama's Bama, Bama's but Bama. not Bama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State at Michigan. Ooh. Is this going to be the first real game Michigan's played this year? Probably. I mean, they had to play Maryland's offense. They had to play Iowa's defense and special teams. Yeah, but they also got to play Iowa's offense. Yeah, and Maryland's defense. Does Iowa have the worst offense in college football? Maybe ever? Does special teams count towards your no, offense? No, just the offense. Just the offense. Um, ever is a strong word there. I'm not going to say they're the worst ever, but just like that punt we showed earlier, nothing else is coming to mind right now. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to think of a competitor for it. Got yeah. it. I'm taking Michigan to cover. What's... What's the line on Six and a half. Six and a half. Ooh. Michigan's still good. They just haven't played anybody. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Michigan to cover. Although, this would be a hell of a time for them to drop the ball. Oh, it'd be great for us. Yeah. But, um, I mean, not that I'm worried. I don't care what, they're, what they do all year. You know, at the end of the day, we just have to beat them. Yep. Undefeated. One and 11. Like, I, I don't care. So. Gotta beat them. Uh, would you like to take a guess on what the Maslin spread is? <laughs> uh, boy. Minus 56? Yeah, there's no spread for the game. I just wanted to see what you were thinking. Uh, RJV team versus a bunch of Leafs. Um, I'm thinking like minus 38, if I'm being real. Yeah, I mean, we said LaSalle put up 70 on them or yeah. beat them by 70. And that's the only W LaSalle's got this year? Might need to fact check that. I know LaSalle isn't good this year, but I thought they had more than just that win. I forget. Andrew told us a record the other day mm-hmm. or last week, and I thought they were like 2-4. and four. I don't know. I, I mean, LaSalle's not great. No. But... Down year for them, big time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, great year for Moeller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean Moeller's also been good. But it's weird how the Cincinnati school is going waves mm-hmm. of which school is good when. Um, Elder's good this year. Mm. Um, Xavier, I think they're okay. X is just okay this year. They play didn't they play Iggy a couple weeks ago or something like that? that I feel like right. I feel like X played a you know a game that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I feel like they're they're decent. Damn, I don't know how good they are though. But Lasalle's down. Maybe X is up a little bit. Yeah, Elder has got a team. Is Elder the school that almost shut down? I have no idea what you're talking about. A couple years ago, there was a Cincinnati school that was going to shut down or get rid of their football program at least, <coughs> and it sucked for us because, like, at the time, I think the idea was a lot of them were going to go to, like, LaSalle or Wooden Woods. Oh. Uh, Wooden Woods is still good. I'm not yeah. counting them because they're not 
quite in the same vein as these parochial schools, but might as well be. Um, I forget what school it was. Coleraine. I, I want to say Elder. I don't know. One of the schools, like, the rumor was it was going to get shut down, and it was like, oh, shit, they're all going to Sour Wooden Woods or something. I feel like it was one of those schools, hmm. but I don't think that ever ended up happening. Or, well, you know how the rumor mill is. Yeah. I Whatever. Yeah. But Cincinnati school is kind of going waves, right? There's always a couple good ones, but mm-hmm. waves of pure dominance usually. So yeah, well, that's the nature of the beast down there, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So with that, I think we can get right into some fan questions, and then roll that right into some uh, McKinley Week festivities, huh? All right, all right. I don't know how many questions we have. Let me pull it up. I think we had. Um, I think we had three. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Not that one. Not that and one. And then I got so one that's a perfect one. parlay into McKinnon Week. Okay. Uh, <coughs> all right. What do you. Uh, God, Mr. Coughlot. <coughs> it's not COVID, which I think I'm mad about because at least if it was, I would know, you know, know what I'm sick with. Right now, I think it's just the flu. This guy. Man. Supposedly, whatever's going around this year, it's like hell on the respiratory system. Nothing's which, nothing's going around this year. I haven't heard of a single person being sick except for you. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that if you didn't have personal experience with it, it never yeah. happened. What are you saying? <laughs> What's going around? No one's heard anything about anything going around. I, I pay attention to things. <laughs> the news. I, the news. Yeah, three people reported sick in Ohio in the last five months. All of them had a hard time with congestion. Oh, that me too. Yeah, <laughs> it's going around. It's going around. <laughs> uh, what do you think the positives and negatives have been through the first eight games? Where do we need to improve to win the next seven? Mm. All right. I think the positives, you see like the highest highs in the Ed's game, the Mueller game. Um, that when everybody's, when everything's clicking, when we're rolling, when when everybody's on it, that we can play with anybody and we can beat anybody. The negatives were just so inconsistent, man. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Banks is the personification of what this team is right now. You know, you see him go out against Eds and go for 100-some, 200-some yards. Uh, like, you know, it felt like he had eight touchdowns in that game. And then he'll go out against a team like Glen Oak or, you know, even this past week against Canisius, just have some easy tutters and just drop them. Mm-hmm. Not to pick on him, but I to segue that into the team as a whole, you know, it's we come out, we come out firing. When we're on it, we're really like we are world beaters. We can be world beaters, but when when it's not clicking, man, do we look bad sometimes. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. Just uh consistency consistency in general, I think is a negative for us. Mm-hmm. The highs are I, I pretty much across the board, right? 
the offense has that potential to be insanely dangerous, right? The high-powered offense that you love to see. Um, our defense can be absolutely shut down. Our front seven is amazing, right? Um, I'd like to see more consistency from our offense in general, mm-hmm. right? I, I want to see um, things be more smooth and gel um it, it, it's been the same storyline all year for us you know we're a younger team and things are continuously getting better and they are right but you see those highs and that's you want to see more of them or at least you want to eliminate the lows i guess right mm-hmm. you want kind of a stronger baseline right even when we're bad yeah even when we're at our worst, we can go out there and chalk up a couple first downs. We can run, break off some big plays. Um, you want the floor to be an above average yeah. ceiling. Yeah. So, you know, when we're just absolutely at our worst, I still want us to be able to go out there and put drives together, right? If it's five yards at a time, nickel and diming, taking a shot every now and then, um, I want to just eliminate the bad drives. Uh, on defense take away some big plays a little bit better statistics in the back end Mm -hmm. Uh, i know like when teams are trailing like obviously your stats are going to be skewed teams are desperate they need bigger plays uh but I i think we've given up some big passes this year more than we'd like to so try to eliminate on that on the back end but just need to be more consistent all the way around. So uh, I think that's that's where we need to be to keep moving forward. Yeah. I think one thing, so I was looking at the uh, cumulative season stats the other day. And not that you can really get a lot out of stats, but there's certain things you want to look at. You know, third down, conversion percentage, um, red zone opportunities. Mm-hmm. One stat I would like to see com show because I think it's a really good indicator of like how good an offense moves a ball is average distance to go on third down yeah and fourth down as well uh you know if you got those third and shorts third and mediums you're staying on schedule you're keeping the chains moving when you're consistently in like third and eight third and nine which I don't think we've really been this year but just in general when you're in that then first and second down you're not doing anything you can't move the ball you keep putting yourself in a bad position so that's something you can look at. Um, but one thing I saw, and it shows a lot about the consistency in the run game and Trell specifically as a player, is he's toted the ball about 170-ish times so far this year. And he has a total of four yards lost rushing, 11. He just does not get tackled in the backfield. When we hand the ball off to Trell, it's almost worst case scenario. Get back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that's something I think that you know we can we obviously hang our hat on the run game and just powering through teams, running it down their throats. And when your floor is the line of scrimmage on that, you you're putting yourself in a good spot. Um, and that's not just on the running back or on the line. That's on it's both of them working in tandem. You know, if say a lineman misses his block. Trell's going to make that man miss. Mm-hmm. If everything's blocked up right, but the defense just swarms with numbers, you know, it is what it is. But 
Terrell's still a dude. Our line's still really consistent. I'd like to see that consistency a little more in the in pass protection, but pass pro is difficult. It's hard. You know, it's like you you hear people calling for all the time throw the ball more, but as an offensive lineman, you're playing passive. You know, you're just retreating every play in pass pro. It's your kick stepping back. You're waiting. You're letting the defensive lineman attack you. So I think having that strong run game, it's a whole mentality thing. You know, like you might not get as many explosives, as many big plays in the run game, but you're letting your lineman go attack the defense, mm-hmm. and that is, it's, it's a really big thing, and it's hard to describe to somebody that like can't understand it. But it's just a mentality thing of. We're going to attack these guys rather than letting them attack us. Yeah, I think uh, the line, I didn't really touch on too much. I think the line has played pretty well this year. Going into the season, I was a little bit worried uh, about how they would perform as a group. But I've been impressed with them. I thought they've done a pretty good job. There are times where there will be a missed block. Somebody will, will whiff on an assignment. But... In our big games this year, I feel like they've done a pretty good job. They've stepped up. There weren't any just noticeable times. I was like, oh, man, our line's getting beat. Or, like, they're not – we don't match up with this team we're playing. I think they did good against Eds. I think they did good against Moeller. So, uh, I've been fine with the line. There is room for improvement there. Mm -hmm. But uh, for somebody that (coughs) doesn't really watch it, but, you know, a little bit – I, I don't want to notice the line, I guess. It's like that's yeah. – I don't watch them too I – mean, you know, I watch a lot of skill player stuff. I don't focus in on line play too much. So, like, when I'm not noticing stuff, that's great. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I remember, like, thinking that after the Eds game, I was like, wow, you know, I don't really remember any, like, negatives from our line last night. Like, oh, that, that was cool. You know, I'm watching some highlights. It's like, oh, they're getting movement. They're making holes. Like, nice. So – uh, I think the line has played better than I expected them to this year, especially in the big games. So that's uh, that was one of the things I was worried about, but they uh, they put me at ease on that. Yeah, um, you said you're fine with it. I'm high on them, man. Like mm-hmm. I know that's where my heart is. That's where almost every play, unless I'm watching for something specifically, my eyes always start at the line of scrimmage. Yep, and like you said, there's. Not that there hasn't been anything noticeable because we haven't bullying cats. There hasn't been anything noticeably bad. Yeah. Um, I think that's my biggest takeaway from them specifically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, our defensive line, we we talked about Big Mike a lot on this podcast, on the last one. He's been getting after cats, the rest of our defensive line, and like you've talked about before, the front seven, they've been getting after it, just playing lights out, so... Yeah, I think that's been a very consistent part of our game and needs to keep being consistent and just overall the ent- the entirety of the team needs to have that consistent high level of play that they've shown before to get us through these, what that guy said, the next seven games. Yeah. So that's all I got for that one. All right, next question. Do you think the extra week going into McKinley is going to hurt or help the team? Feels like it could be a scenario. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I read this question before, and I didn't. Uh, yeah, no, we've talk- we-, we talked about it before, but we can still touch on it again. 
yeah i i th- i'm sorry I, i'll paraphrase these questions a lot mm-hmm. and i thought he was going in a different direction with this so uh <laughs> Do you think the extra week is going to hurt or help? It feels like a scenario where they're too jacked up for the game and they'll come out and play undisciplined football. Hmm. So I get what he's talking about because my takeaway from the Eds game at the start of it was exactly that. Yeah, They were a little too jacked up, a little too jittery, a little too on edge. And you want your guys playing loose, you know? You want them playing out there fast and loose. You want them playing their game, not out there trying to make the big play. Because when you go out and you try to make the big play, that's when bad things happen. Um, I think it's it's a tough one, man, because like we talked about off-air and we talked about on the last podcast, it's like we're just kind of looking over this Canada game, and it's two weeks of McKinley week, man. Mm-hmm. And you start to get a little anxious. You start to get a little antsy. I don't envy the coaches for having to what they're going to have to deal with going into like the you know middle of next week. With to me, it would feel a lot like two days. You know, where it's just a, that grind every day without really any payoff at the end of the week. And that's when fights start to happen. That's when guys get hot. That's when you just. You just got all this pent-up aggression, energy, and you don't have anything to do with it. So I think it's really going to be on the coaches to how are they going to manage that? How are they going to manage this extended McKinley week? And I have faith in them. I mean, I I kind of go under the assumption when I see a lot of the stuff that we do that these guys aren't idiots. Like, we've been – it's been pretty much the same consistent course staff since 2017. You know, we made three state championships, however many more regional championships. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a task to manage that, but I think we're going to come out just fine. Um how McKinley wants to come out is going to be interesting, especially after it's – I want to see how they play Glen Oak. Like, are they just looking over Glen Oak to, to Maslin week for them? Mm-hmm. Are they just taking it one week at a time? You know, they're on a heater right now. They dropped the first four, but they haven't lost since. And if they keep that going, they come into the, they come into the game on Saturday hot, on a heater, feeling themselves, and we're just – you know, we can come in too high. We can come in lackadaisical. It's a challenge, man. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, we've already touched on the fact that I think we'd both rather have a game this week mm-hmm. than having the bye week. But I'm not as concerned about it. I'm guessing that this week was a little bit more laxed at practice. They may have even had like an off day. Where, you know, maybe more film, more indie work kind of stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing they're, they're kind of slowing things down this week a little bit just to get away from that grind. Yeah. Um, I'm not overly worried about it, especially to his point. Um, are they going to be too jacked up for the game where they come out and start playing on discipline football? I, I don't think so. Or if they do, I don't think it's because of this, right? Mm-hmm. When players have jitters, <coughs> I don't think it's because they're too jacked up. I think it's because they might be nervous, right? 
Mm-hmm. Undisciplined football, I don't think being jacked up is going to lead into you playing undisciplined football either. I think if you come out and you do something stupid, it's because you're undisciplined in general, right? Just being amped up shouldn't be an excuse to break character. Yeah. Right? So, I'm not worried about that that aspect of it, right? I want the kids to come up, come out and be as amped up as possible, right? That's not a worry of mine. I, I understand, like, what you said earlier in the year and what the question is now. Um, I was never a real big amped up guy. Mm-hmm. I was calm, and then I could kind of, like, focus in. And I, I could kind of internally turn it on a little bit. But in general, you know, I probably was more of a conservative, like, cautious type player. Maybe not, like, nervous, but, like, cautious. But I don't, I feel like if you're just super amped up, like, that shouldn't break your discipline, you know? So it's on the coaches to make sure you're a disciplined player. It's on you to make sure you're a disciplined person, player. But just being amped up shouldn't change that. Right? No. I mean, honestly, I'm not worried about it. I was just really... My answer is I'm like thinking about it more and the possibilities, but it's not really something on my radar. Yeah, I'm just like... In general, I don't necessarily worry about that. Maybe it's just because I wasn't one of those types of players i was like up screaming and yelling and like Mm -hmm. just so amped up like adrenaline's going crazy so it maybe i don't know what that's like to some of the players that do that but you know i'm just thinking like opening kickoff like you want those guys with their heads on fire or do you want them like thinking about billy joel right now (laughs) i mean i can (laughs) i i understand it because When you see some really good teams, I mean the really good teams Mm -hmm. in any sport, the team that's been there, done that, right? This is your fifth straight state championship game in a row. You're pretty loose. You're pretty laxed. You're relying on your skill, your fun, like, you know, you know, you're the better team. You're keeping a cool head. So maybe for those players, it is, they don't need to get amped up, right? But I don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, in Maslin, the kids we have, get them amped up, right? So, I think every player's different. You know, some guys, like yourself, like to go out there just all loosey-goosey, don't really need to get... They can... Whatever their version of turning it on is, isn't the guy, like, jumping up and down, screaming, shouting, all hyped up. You want to know why I was like that? Why? I guess, like... I mean, in general, I never thought of myself as being the type of player that could go out and, like, do that. Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't my place. But the way that I looked at it is I never wanted to give the person across from me, like, anything extra. Right? Yeah. I don't want to talk shit pregame to somebody and get them amped up and now it's like oh shit now they're nah, now they're playing with a head on fire right now right mm-hmm. i would rather them be lax and then i can turn it on internally right i can go out there 
and I just didn't want to add any fuel to the fire was my kind of thing, right? I'd rather us both be playing from a baseline and then I could turn it on rather than just pissing somebody off. Yeah. So that, that was my thought process on it. But, you know, some people just feed off of it. Both, I mean, both ways. You get teams chirping at each other and it just turns into a huge thing. Now both teams are just like, and then that's what makes for these big rivalry games like this, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to see that. There's going to be some pregame stuff. It happens, but um, I wouldn't. I'm not worried about them being too amped up from two weeks of pent up energy that they'll be undisciplined because of it. I guess the only reason it's on my radar is you know I don't really have this perspective of going into the game all amped up and shit as a player because you know I made the joke before, but I never really played. But I like to work out a lot. You know, going to the gym. Um, in general, I'm a pretty, you know, loose guy. I don't take too too much shit seriously. But when I go into the gym and it's like time to go to work, like I go to a different spot mentally. It's like it's it's game time. Mm-hmm. I turn that shit on. I'm a different cat. Like you can't, I can't hold a conversation if I am in it in the gym. And when I'm in that zone, and I think that's what you know, a lot of players like that's what their game mode is. Then you just turn it on and you go play. You, you go out and you ball. But, like, there's times when, you know, I'm sitting there looking at the squat rack and I'm going for a PR or something, and I just – I get so far in my head, I get too jacked up, lose the fundamentals of the movement, and then just fail. And that's what I think can happen to a player when they get just too jacked up, just too ready to go, too – Two in their own head, essentially, that you you go out there and you try and make a play and you just lose the fundamentals of what you're trying to do because you're flying around with your hair on fire. Um, you know, it's a possibility, but uh, it's not something I'm overly concerned about. It's more something that's just a talking point right now because that was the question. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand it. And like you said, every player is different, and coaches have to treat every player different. And there might be some guys you have to reel in a little bit. There might be some guys that you have to put a fire under their ass, right? Mm-hmm. So every player is different, but it's it's definitely not something I'm worried about. So uh, let me see. One last question. Yep. Which one is last question on your end, and I different, got one. Different spots. So I got to go find it. Uh, okay, so here's the one that I thought I was reading. What are your thoughts on the bye week? I think it's a great opportunity to let some banged up guys get healed up for a postseason run. Uh, I mean, we, we've talked about our opinions on the bye week. We both would rather be playing a game right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, if you do have players that are <coughs> banged up, nursing injuries, soreness, uh, it is a good opportunity for them to rest a little bit. So I, th- I think that is a net positive in that aspect. Um, but then again, there are things that you want to keep practicing. Uh, you know, we had a failed two-point conversion last week. Mm-hmm. Not failed two-minute drill last week. Yeah. And it's stuff like that that I think you just want more reps on. So I think having this extra game would be beneficial. You don't play scared of having people get hurt. You play smart so that I, I would have rather had a game. Mm-hmm. But to the point, yes, if we do have banged up players, it should help them recover. Yeah, there's pros and cons to everything. I mean, the pro is of not playing games, obviously. 
guys can rest, let their bodies heal. Football's a violent game, even if you're not injured. Like you're, you go out on the field, you play a full game of football. You're, you are sore in the morning. Yeah. Um, so, <coughs> mother, <coughs> not great. Better than I was. Better than I've been since I got sick, but still not great. Been sick all season. Eh, seems like it. Anyway, um, so yeah, the pro is you get you get that extra week of rest. You come into the next game feeling a little more fresh. Any guys that have been hurt don't even have to worry about it. And the con is, like you said, you know, live game reps are the best kind of practice you can get. You can't replicate. No matter what you do in practice, you cannot replicate live reps against a different opponent in game situation. So you're missing out on that. Like you said, you can't play scared. It's you got to play smart. If you were, if you were trying to, if your main goal in a football season was to not get hurt, if that was your number one priority, then you just wouldn't play football. It's a violent game. Injuries happen. So. There's pros and cons to it. If you're more concerned about rest and recovery, then yes, bye week is great. But like we said, like to see the game reps. It is what it is. Just gotta gotta play the hand you're dealt, and this is the hand we got dealt. So I got nothing more on that one. The last question I got is from my friend up at base that was my DD to the Eds game. Here we go. And we can parlay this into our last segment. What is your favorite McKinley Week tradition outside of tailgating? Tradition. See, if this was like, if we had better production value and took notes and stuff, this is where I would start playing the Jeopardy music in the background. I mean, you very easily could add that. Um, yeah, but then I gotta go find it and like rip the sound off YouTube and put it back into the podcast. I don't know. I don't... I mean, you have... I mean, a couple, an easy answer would be like the parade, but a lot of the times we're busy on Friday nights Mm -hmm. or get into bed early on Friday nights. You have the booster club meeting on Mondays. I mean, it can be your own tradition you got. You know, anything, any tradition. Okay, so (coughs) since it's come out, I'm going to do like a two-part answer here. Okay. Since it's come out, I have watched Timeless Rivals the week of the McKinley game every year. Mm-hmm. So every McKinley week, I watch Timeless Rivals at least once. Um, I've also been trying to watch like Go Tigers the same week as well. I know like Jim used to watch Go Tigers every single night of McKinley week. <laughs> it was more of like just having it on in the background, but yeah. he would have it on in the background every night of McKinley week. Uh, Timeless Rivals, I, I think it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot, so I enjoy watching it anyways, but um, you know, we'll get into that a little bit more here once we start talking about activities, but I guess that would kind of be one, is that I, I watch that every week. But I think my actual answer would just be kind of driving around downtown. You bastard. 
You know, the leaves are finally starting to change. Yep. All of the flags are up. Every single ta- every single store in downtown has all of their signs up. Cars are driving around with their flags on the windows. People are wearing orange masculine shirts just all week long anyway when they go to the store when they're going on a walk um anytime they leave the house they're wearing masculine gear and it's a it's just cool community event that you feel a part of even if you're not talking to anybody if you're just going around by yourself i mean it would be interesting to see what an outsider would say because <laughs> you're like they're driving around and they're seeing everything right and yeah. it seems uniform Whereas for us, you know, I can drive downtown, I can go to the store and wear a Maslin shirt and see all the Maslin flags. I can park next to a person with their Maslin flags on their car, not say a word to them. They don't say a word to me. I walk through the store. You see that people are wearing Maslin gear, but you don't really think about it or you don't like, oh, hey, you're wearing a Maslin gear. I beat McKinley, right? It's just like everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody's wearing. It's one big thing. Um, everybody's gearing up for the big game. So I, I think just being around town and it's not, it's not even a planned thing. It's just, everybody wears masks and stuff more. There's more masks and stuff in the windows. The flags are up downtown. The leaves are changing. It just mm-hmm. feels like McKinley week without anybody telling you, you, you it just, you can feel it in the air that it's McKinley week. Yeah, um, a lot of traditions. I think a couple honorable mentions are watching Timeless Rivals. It's kind of tailgate related, but not. But Midge making the Wimpy Burgers every McKinley game. Always look forward to that one. Like, And he'll always you know, freeze a few and then random times throughout the year, take them out, thaw them, and have a couple Wimpies on like a Sunday or something. And, you know... I'll be talking to him like, oh, yeah, I had Wimpy's for lunch. Got a leftover? Yeah. (laughs) That's mine now. Yeah. And I'll, you know, like, I'll go get it, and I'm eating it, and it's like, oh, this tastes like McKinley week. Yeah. Like, this tastes like the McKinley game. Yeah. And October, September, October, it's like my favorite time of year. Like you said, leaves are changing. You start to get that little, that crispness to the air starting to get a little bit cooler out. You know, you just spent the last three months just in a constant sweat. Um, And it's football season in general. But just specifically for me, my favorite is I always avoid driving through Lincoln Way when I can. It's just a pain in the ass. Yeah, There's plenty of ways around it. It it always ends up shorter, taking Cherry or Tremont, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I always make it a point to drive down Lincoln Way during McKinley Week and just seeing that Beat McKinley banner yeah. hung over Lincoln Way right in the middle of downtown. I think that in and of itself just mm-hmm. encapsulates exactly what you were saying. Yep. It's an entire town coming together for one event to support the team. And it's like it's something not a lot of people get to experience. Yeah. And let me tell you something that is something that you might not even really experienced. Mm-hmm. So like you said, Midge makes <coughs> the Wimpy Burgers and, you know, tailgate related. We've been going over there to start the mornings Yeah, for years now, right? The drive down Lincoln Way to Midge's house at, 
you know, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., mm-hmm. it's it's eerie. <laughs> it is McKinley morning. The sun's not out yet. You're driving through downtown. You know, like, when it gets to the point of the night where, you know, the sky is telling you it's morning now? Yeah, it's starting to get it's that still light. It is still pitch black, so it shouldn't be any different than midnight, but it is. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's, like, the glimpse of, like, for whatever reason, you know, yeah. you, you just know it's morning. It, so it's you're, starting to get that purplish yeah. hue to it. So then. you're driving through downtown, and even though it's still pitch black, you know that it's the morning of. And it's different than driving through at night. Driving over to Midge's house, <laughs> through downtown, always, every single year, I go through downtown, right? Even when I usually go to Midge's, like you said, I don't go Lincoln Way. Mm-hmm. But for the McKinley game, I do. I'll go through Lincoln Way, and I'm driving through downtown at 5 in the morning on the way to eat some Wimpy Burgers. That's just this calmness in the air right nobody's out doing anything at 4 a.m but you're just driving through yeah it's that's something now the one it's not a tradition but i want it to be a tradition we've only got to experience it once so far is after you pick me up from midges we got to our tailgate spot and it's just start morning's just starting to creep in oh it's gonna happen you're starting to get that like it's that happening. Orangish tint, just barely to the sky. The sun's still an hour away from rising, but we're getting to our spot. We're getting set up. Matt and is already spent all night there sleeping. He's got the fire going. Hook up the speakers and just start blaring. I mean, absolutely blasting some Pink Floyd. Yeah. It's Speci- going to happen. It's happened this year, that's for sure. Specifically, so. the Wish You Were Here album. Yeah. When Shine On, when that hits, you know, about like the four or five minute mark when it really starts to hit, and it's like, game's here, boys. Yeah. It's This is it. Like, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. I'm getting goosebumps. Well, let's take those goosebumps and hold on to them for a second. All right. And then we can get into mckinley week activities and the tailgate let's get into it brother all right all right so mckinley week festivities what do we got brother let's get into it man yes sir uh well you got some of the staples of course Mm -hmm. booster club meeting on monday which is a nice public event that everyone should go to it's in the auditorium at the high school uh, usually, at least in years past, I mean, Coach Moore is always there. He's at all of the Boost Club meetings and usually shows a little bit of film of the last week's game, shows a little bit <coughs> of film of the upcoming game. Um, Bring all of the seniors. Yeah, so for the McKinley one, he usually has all the seniors there. They'll go up, say, uh, you know, their name, number, position, maybe a little bit something about their favorite McKinley moment or something, you know. And the band is usually there, and they play some music, get everybody going. Cheerleaders are usually there. So it's it's a nice little, like, rally almost. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a good public event. It's good for children even. Uh, I mean, it can get a little bit loud with the band, but, I mean, as long as they can withstand 60 seconds of noise. 
yeah it's 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 plenty fine for young children even so just make sure you're not towards the back near one of the you know stairs stairs then you're gonna have a tool yeah, player tuba right, near right next to you yeah uh, you might be better off on the outsides because the band usually faces inwards. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a nice kind of, like, rally to start the week. Mm-hmm. Um, get to see some of the seniors, see the band cheerleaders, coaches speak. Usually, like, most of the coaches are there for that one also. They might talk a little bit, answer some questions from the crowd. It, it, it's just a good event that used to be a very big deal. You know, it used to be a <coughs> packed auditorium for these type of things, and it started dwindling. I think we started getting some more people to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's called the Booster Club Meeting, which in itself is always kind of a weird concept because they have Booster Club meetings every single week. Public, you know, it's the public Booster Club meeting. Yeah, and the name kind of gives it a gives it a weird sense of what it actually is because it's not a booster club meeting whatsoever uh i mean i guess theoretically it is for fans to go to and you're considered a booster at that point and they highly suggest that you have a booster club membership so the ten dollar membership but they don't force it uh, they can't legally force it but <laughs> it is highly suggested that you should have a membership to go to these meetings but they're not meetings, right? So it's not just public, right? They don't videotape it. They're not posting it online. So, mm-hmm. but in the same sense, it's a public meeting. But it, don't confuse it with the booster club because the booster club, and you're like, oh, well, they do a lot of stuff, and you know, they deal with you know money and fundraisers and stuff. That that's its own thing. They also have those meetings on Monday nights during the season usually, but it's before the public meeting. So. It, it, the McKinley Week, it's almost like a rally. It's a beginning-of-the-week kind of rally, but you also sit down and learn a little bit about the upcoming opponent. So it, it's, you know, you don't need to listen to us next week if you just <laughs> go to the meeting. It's the, It'd be nice if you did. Yeah. So it's a good event that everyone should go to. They're at 7 o'clock, I believe. I don't think this week's any different. So 7 o'clock public meeting monday night monday at the auditorium yep uh it's a good event so you should go to it tuesday is touchdown club Mm -hmm. as well on tuesdays i just want to get this quick plug in the 28th annual master mckinley blood battle oh yeah which we've been sleeping the sweeping the floor with Mm -hmm. um if you want to donate blood you know in general it's a good thing to do but Especially with this, you get that little extra added. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a competition between Maslin versus Canton. Yes. So if you want to donate blood, uh, the drives are going on at the high school, 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. And at the Canton Donor Center, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., that's at 4119 Tuscar Street West, Canton, 44708. You know, not many good reasons to go east of Kmart, but that is one of them. Yes, I mean, we usually win that battle. It's always nice to win these little side bets against Canton. So, you know, let's win the blood battle. Let's win the game. And I'm glad you brought this up because the other aspect of this is the food drive. Mm -hmm. So, 
every single year they collect canned goods. I think it goes to like Stark County Hunger Task. It's, Stark County Hunger Task. Yeah, it's something right. like that. You know, uh, so they're collecting canned goods. And, you know, it's no, we don't really need to explain it. They've been doing this every single year for a long time, just like the blood battle. So you can donate your canned goods. You can bring them to the Booster Club meeting on Monday. Uh, they have collection boxes at the high school. They do not have them at the middle school or the elementary schools this year. <coughs> Apparently there was some kind of weird um, gray area about being allowed to do that or something. So uh, you can donate canned goods at the high school. You can contact somebody in the booster club if you have canned goods and you want to know where to deliver them. Uh, you can contact us and we can answer it for you or point you in the dire- right direction if you have questions about this kind of thing. Um Donate canned goods. The whole it all comes down to weight. That's how they measure. It's not by so that's how they do it. It's not by amount of cans. It's by Mm. weight. So they weigh how many goods were donated. And what's nice is the last couple years they've added the aspect of you could donate money. Mm -hmm. And what I like about it is if you have some canned goods laying around that you're not going to use or you want to donate, like, that's great. But money goes a lot further than actual canned goods do. So I think it is $1 in cash equals 7 pounds of food. Damn. So you could go donate a couple cans of corn. Can of corn. Or you could donate a dollar. And I think the dollar still outweighs multiple cans. You know, so, like... Don't go to the store and buy canned goods. It is more efficient to just give your money, donate the money. So I know Booster Club has posted something online. You can check. You can check their social media. You can probably check the website. Yeah, I'm sure there it should could be something on there. Probably get you in the we'll right direction. We'll blast out the link to Again, get information on Again, if there. you have any questions, just ask us. But the Booster Club posted links where you can go on and you can donate money just from sitting at home so you can do it that way um but yeah it's you know everything goes to a good cause of course and at the end of the day we want to win so it's a nice you know symbiotic relationship here and it's it's amazing what kind of a reaction you get in between quarters Mm -hmm. when they come out and announce who won something because it's like, oh, Maslin <laughs> donated <coughs> more cans than McKinley did, and the crowd just erupts. Just, yeah, we're better than you. <laughs> but it's awesome, right? It, yeah. it, you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose to Canton in anything. Yeah. So it's important to go out there and, you know, do these other things as well. That You know, that's why they, you know, that's why they have them. They have them because they know they can get people to do it. It's a great mm-hmm. fundraiser. It's a great benefit to society. Um, but... You know, do it for those reasons, but also do it because you want Maslin to beat McKinley. Yeah, you know, hey, charity, it's great, it's good. Beat McKinley's better. Mm-hmm. No, no two ways about that one. Yeah, I, I also heard that there were some kind of, I don't know the details, but I think there's some person or organization that is matching the donations for canned goods. Okay. At the school. I think. Um, 
so for every you know can or dollar that gets donated to the school i think there's a person or organization that's matching it so you actually it ends up being double beneficial for everyone but i think it's only for the ones at the school not online or i'm not sure but uh i don't know i remember when would have been my i guess freshman year in high school when i was in coach palma's class Mm -hmm. in his history class he had um he had a deal for you know when if you brought in cans you got like an extra percentage point on your grade or something like that and i remember our class alone i'm not saying like all of coach palma's classes i'm saying one class because i think it was set up for like every it was like a competition every let's say third mod mm-hmm. was the one that's where they set the you know because whichever class collected the most cans like won a pizza party or something right yeah and then palma also decided to like offer some kind of incentive and i remember so just for that one class you know say 20 kids 25 kids we brought we had like 300 400 cans damn and we were taking them all down at the end of the week to the office like in box you know big old printer paper boxes and they're like oh that's really kind of you guys like this probably puts you in first place they're like no this is like two two boxes we have like 35 more they're like what it's like yeah I, well i mean it, it was cool that they had that and i i think it would be cool if they still had stuff like that because it's going to good causes right mm-hmm. so it's part of the tradition i know there's been some disconnect the last couple of years about that in the school system but hopefully it's also getting promoted in the schools, not just the community, but um, everyone find a way to donate, uh, even if it's only a couple dollars. You know, $3 is 21 pounds of food. Even if you don't care about Maslin winning, then that's 21 pounds of food going to people that need it. Um, even if you don't care about people receiving food, that's 21 pounds of food that's helping Maslin beat McKinley. So, Damn right. Uh you know, find ways to help out Blood Drive and the food battle. Yeah. And on Tuesday is Touchdown Club. Yes. Sorry which, for interrupting you. Go on with that. Um, It's at the Eagle. The, the thing about this one is, though, I don't think it's just straight up open to the public. You're able to <coughs> sign up for these things at the beginning of the year. So if you're somebody that, you know, you, um, maybe you're retired or you live, uh, you work in city limits or something, Every week during the season, there's Touchdown Club uh, at the Eagles, I think at noon, something like that. And they have like a little lunch, mm-hmm. and they usually have a couple players there, coach, and they talk, and it's a little bit more intimate setting. The McKinley one, I think they have mo- like pretty much all the seniors or maybe all of the captains. It's big, big, just like everything else, the McKinley Touchdown Club is bigger than the regular Touchdown Clubs. Um, if you have questions about that, you know, reach out to a Booster Club member, reach out to us, see if we can get information for you, because they, they might have some, they might have the ability to have more people come. So, not 100% sure. Don't just show up. Yeah, you, you might, you're because probably going to get turned away at the door if you just... You don't just show up to Touchdown Club, but, I mean, it is a public event, but it's kind of like RSVP, so... Maybe we can get you in touch with them, or we can ask for you to see if they have more openings. Really, the big issue is that they have to pre-order the food. Yeah. So, if a lot of people just show up, oh, well, there's not enough food. 
and and uh, who knows maybe they let you in just not give you a meal but you know let's just make it easier on everybody and like ask ahead of time but touchdown club is on tuesday um i don't have the full like list so i'm just going off of what happens every year wednesday is that the team breakfast yeah that's the team breakfast at the church also not a public event no but but it is cool for the both teams go to uh, a church usually halfway between and have breakfast together Mm -hmm. there's usually a guest speaker i remember uh they had wwe guy the the million dollar man he was there i think my junior year oh that'd be my senior year and i don't remember that but that doesn't mean it didn't happen yeah it just means you got hit in the head too many times I remember sitting down at my table and watching that McKinley team walk in and just like in awe of how big some of their players were because <laughs> we didn't have any of those guys. <laughs> we didn't yeah. have anybody that big. Well, that's how it goes some years. Um, yeah, so just cool. Like you said, it's an intimate setting. The yeah. teams, we don't sit together. You don't sit together, but you're both in the same room. <coughs> um. Thursday, what's Thursday? Anything? Kind of a breather for the week. Like, all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's something. But Take a breath. That's probably when most people go out, buy their supplies for the weekend, for the for the game. Yeah. Friday, obviously the pep rally at the high school. Mm-hmm. Don't have an exact time for that, but it's usually at the end of the day, and it takes like two hours. Yeah, I mean, they used to be really long. You know, from like noon to two thirty. Yeah. Um, I think they've cut back in years past, but sometime in the afternoon. So, and I think that's halfway open to the public. I feel like it's a gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually like family of the players. Yeah, there are people that go to it, but I don't think they're going to say it's public. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the parade Friday night always a cool experience i'm not as an adult i'm not one to sit and you know watch a parade but as a player it was just awesome being able to sit in there you know you get to ride in some tricked out ride of one of the mm-hmm. one of the sideliners the Brewster club members and roll through downtown you see you know the whole city out there lining the street supporting you and it get out there and just like you know show the team some love it's an awesome experience for them it you, yeah you got what three, maybe four shots max at it if you're really good as a freshman. So, cool experience. Go out, show them some love, and then obviously it's get some rest and get ready for the game on Saturday. Yes. So, game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Tailgate Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. McKinley tailgate notoriously. One of the biggest events of the year in Maslin. And that should be no different this year. We haven't had one in like four years. Yeah. Last home McKinley game, real home McKinley game, was 2018. Yeah. Four years ago. <coughs> Good Lord. And I think the entire, the, the entire city is just chomping at the bit to get at it. Um, this year, our tailgate specifically, North Lot, halfway up the hill, on the hill, facing the stadium, is going to be sponsored. 
Bye. I haven't talked to him. If he wants to do it, like... Yeah, I wasn't sure how he wanted to do it or phrase it or anything, but... As of right now, I would have to say sponsored by the Black Swarm Podcast's number one fan, Max Julian. Yes. He will be... Meats will be smoked. Foods will be cooked. Beverages will be consumed. And he will be supplying at least the food. Some aspect of it. Yeah, he wants yeah. he wants to donate uh, some food for us, specifically to smoke barbecue. Mm. Um, I mean, outside of that, it's always a huge... It, it's a huge ordeal, right? There's <laughs> going to be so much food. There always is. Um... And we say that to say this, come. Yes. Come to our tailgate. Who Enjoy. Doesn't, who doesn't like free food? That's... Yeah. If nothing else, you know, just use us for free food. I, <laughs> just, why not? Yeah. Come, say what's up, get some, you know, try some smoked whatever the hell you're going to be making. Yeah, to be determined. And need to determine it soon. Yeah, I know. I mean... W- <sighs> been talking to matt a little bit and the big thing is when you want to talk to max mm-hmm. see what's going on with all of that nonetheless i mean it probably doesn't change what we're gonna be doing no matter what yet anyway but uh i mean pulled pork is pretty much any time that we have a smoker going we're gonna have pulled pork going it's one of the easier um cheaper things to make feeds a lot of people for the volume so can i request specifically a turkey leg uh if you can if you can get them the the thing is they're not easy to find when we had them in the past it was because jim had them from uh brian's farm um but that is possible to do a turkey leg turkey wings might be easier than turkey legs but i understand you're going for the neanderthals club yes so that might be a little bit tougher, but I'll put it on the request line. All right. Um, I mean, could possibly do brisket. That takes a little bit. I mean, we're, it's going to be smoked all night, so time's not really an issue, but brisket does take a little bit longer. You have to watch it a little bit more than mm-hmm. you do. That's the nice thing about pork is you can just throw it on there. Don't have to really mess with it too much. Uh, a lot of natural fats in it that you can just let break down. Can't really overcook it, so it's an easy one to do. That's why we pretty much will always do pulled pork anytime we got the smoker going. But wouldn't be surprised if there was some wings um, and just you know who knows you know flavor of the week. I got something that I want to do. It's not going to be a secret, but I'm not revealing it yet. All I'll right. probably talk about it next week. Uh, <coughs> I, I want to make sure that it's like possible and everything first, but there'll be plenty of food, you know, and like everybody that comes to our tailgates normally week to week, they usually bring food also. Every single week we have too much food, and this week is, or McKinley week won't be any different. There's always too much food, so come consume some extra foods and enjoy a fun tailgate. Yeah. Just bring the vibes. That's all we care about. Just bring the vibes. So that's all I got on this. That's all I got tonight. Rob, you got anything else? Man, I don't think so. I think uh, I think we covered a lot. Yeah. And actually, I do want to mention something. So 
we're talking about festivities next week. When it comes to podcasts, are we doing anything? Gonna do anything different next week? I don't know. One traditional podcast. I don't have anything really on deck. I mean, I'm going to be up at base this weekend, so that eats up a lot of time we normally had mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, we used to like record one on Sunday. Yep. I'll be, I mean, I'll be home Sunday night, so we can get one in the can if you got an idea, if anybody out there has... We don't have a game to recap, really. Yeah. So it'd be strictly just McKinley stuff. I don't know. I Work on something. I'll work on something. You know, maybe if like we have a guest or something, like that could be a cool... Mm-hmm. A little change Sunday up. night recording or something like that. Um, man, I want to have a watch party. I want to have a Timeless Rivals watch party. Like a live stream? Do you think people would watch if we live streamed it? People barely listen to this show now. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm asking. I mean, it, it would be fun to do. Like, we could obviously get something set up in here, get, you know, streaming on all this. Yeah. Have it live on... I mean, we already have everything to do it. Yeah. So, let us know, you know, if that's something you would want to be interested in, just watching Timeless Rivals with us. We can figure out where we're going to stream that at, be it, you know, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Probably YouTube. YouTube would be easiest. Probably YouTube, and it has an easy go live button on there. Not something I've ever played with before. Neither have I, but I saw it, and I'm sure you'd figure it out. Yeah. Easy enough. So... That's something you know you guys would want to do. Timeless Rivals, Go Tigers, mm-hmm. a rewatch of. There's a couple games up on YouTube that the Booster Club has posted on their Facebook. There's a couple others you can go find. I have the 1974 Maslin McKinley game on DVD. I'm sure we get that rolling somehow. So yeah, let us know if we want to change it up a little bit. Like at this point, we're just doing this because we it it's fun. So. If there's something that you think's fun, if there's something you want, let us know, and we'll try and get the ball rolling on that. Yeah. Kind of like the idea of doing this live stream. I, I, think, <coughs> I think we could do it, um, <coughs> or we could even maybe try to find a guest that's somewhat connected to it Yeah, and have them watch it with us also or something, but um, I don't know. I mean, oh. it, was, it was major senior year. What, 74? Yeah. Yeah. Maslin coming in, limping in, mm-hmm. five and four. McKinley coming in, just world beaters at nine and zero, oh, number one in the state, I think. Yeah, they were talking about it at the Booster Club the other night, yeah. talking about that game that year actually. Yeah, apparently they weren't a hundred percent sure if they're getting their years <laughs> correct when they were talking about it. So yeah, don't quote right. me on it, but uh, they were talking about how McKinley was number one team in the state. They like smacked Warren. Mm-hmm. And then we beat McKinley, and somehow Warren ended up state champs that year, or something like that. Sounds about right. Which was like, yeah, McKinley beat the snot out of them, but yeah, but they lost week ten, so yeah, that's how she goes. So yeah, let us know what you want to hear. Um, put some feelers out. Get you know guests on special McKinley week episodes. We always, like you said, we always try to do something special for that. So. Like I said, that's all I got tonight. Rob, that's all you got? It's bye week. Eh, we got Canada. So, go Tigers. Beat Canada. Go Tigers.